0: Hello, and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And then, was i Jose. And we've just seen The Creator, a film which neither of us knew anything about other than I had got from a blurb or something that it was to do with AI. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm interested in AI. It's very scary right now because AGI that is to say artificial general intelligence kind of ai that doesn't just do one thing but can be applied to all sorts of problems is basically upon us these days Mm. you know chat gpt has been kind of the buzzword um for about a year i've never done it have you yeah i've used chat gpt i've actually it's 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 very it's really powerful um i've used the free version and like the and the paid for versions are Mm. Um, much more advanced. You know, I've seen mm. what they can do. Mm. And they've just released a model that can analyse images and is very good at it. It's pretty fucking scary how good it is. I mean people would mm. be saying like, you know, Stephen Hawking used to warn about, you know, dangers of AI. And people would always kind of, you know, oh yeah, sure. One yeah, fine. You know. But the thing is when you have to be honest with yourself and say, it is happening now, it's happening extremely quickly. This has the power to do some really scarily kind of human things. Mm. Um, and and like I think people always thought that, like, the moment that AI becomes sort of finished and complete and properly human and indistinguishable and all that will be, like, 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future, and you'd, you'd recognise it. But the truth is that it happens gradually. Mm. It's happening gradually, very quickly right now. Anyway, the thing is, I'm, I basically think that AI's going to kill us all, so... Mm. Um, this film doesn't have a very smart um, look at AI. It has the view view of AI that basically any, or I would say a lot of films have had, which is that it ties it to robots. So the thing I think is kind of scary in real life about AI is that, you know, your life online, like on Facebook, on Reddit, whatever it is, is basically interacting with text, pretending to be people. You don't actually know that there's a person behind it who's written the thing to you. An AI can imitate that. Easily, and and once you put AI that can do that in the hands of, let's say, a corporation or a government or some shit, you know what I mean? Mm. It can steer conversations. It can change the agenda. Like that, I think is the really scary thing. That's not what's going on here. Basically, AI has got to the point where robots are basically people. We've seen that before in things like the Terminator, um, AI, the Spielberg film. It's a kind of it's a very general, vague, basic view of what AI is, and that's why it's, that's what is scary. Um, supposedly, about the AI and the creator. So AI has reached maturity um, and we see in the intro that um, a nuclear bomb has been dropped on LA Mm. uh, and that is the the fault of AI. AI um, as um, operated by what used to be China and is now called New Asia. So there's some, some bit of sort of background history that is not explained, but but that has gone into the generation of an Asian empire of sorts. Mm. And basically the American military effectively declares war on new Asia saying, if you don't take steps to eradicate AI, we will have to do it for you. And we declare war on your AI Mm. or your robots. John David Washington is introduced to us as an undercover agent who has married an Asian British Asian wife they're having a kid together, but he is um, what to say, undercover looking for the creator. I can't remember the word. It's Numata, I think, um, which means the creator. And they're looking for the, the, basically the head of AI, the person who created AI. And that's where his job is. But he loses his wife at the start of the film um, in a kind of botched attack. That, well, it's not a botched attack. It's a very successful attack, but it ruins the mission because mm-hmm. it reveals the presence of the Americans. And five years later he's out of the game, but he's drawn back into it with the promise that his his wife might still be alive, and if they you know they can use him to go and help locate her, and some AI super weapon that um will be revealed um because that is slightly spoilerish territory, so let's say spoilers will be coming up hmm. My f- first thoughts, my first kind of thought that I vocalized in my head about 30 or 40 minutes into the film, was I am profoundly uninvolved in this film.
1: Oh, I loved it.
0: Really? Mm. Wow, I'm fascinated. Mm. I thought it was full of cliché, really slow... Quite stupid. I thought it was one of the dumber films I've seen, and I've seen i like, <laughs> seen five Transformers films. <laughs> you know? um, and this isn't me asking it to be smarter about AI necessarily. Like I, I mean, I, I know I started off with the whole thing about why AI is actually scary in a different way. I'm I'm okay with accepting that it's just human-like robots are mm-hmm. the enemy, sort of thing. Because um, obviously, then the film becomes about that AI isn't our enemy; it just wants to live. It's not fighting the war, and so on and so forth. Um, what it's not seeking to, and in fact, it says. Later on, someone says that the um, the bomb that exploded way back when in LA was it's human error. Yes, And it incoherent. wasn't AI that did it. AI would never do that. We just want to live. Mm. So I can see how it's trying to do that. But I thought, wow. And, and then when it came up at the end that the film had been written and directed by Gareth Edwards, I thought, oh, it makes sense. Because the last film I fell asleep in, in the same way as this, <laughs> was Rogue One. <laughs> ah. Which is to say that... I fell asleep like uh-huh. in the middle of that film and would woke, wake up every now and again, uh-huh. sort of vaguely catching what was going on. I didn't fully fall asleep, uh-huh. but I was awake at the start and awake at the end, and the middle was just a long, slow slog of nothing. Mm. Um, I, I, he's really lost all my trust as a director, and I'm not sure that he ever should have had that much.
1: Well, um... Your turn. <laughs> I, so I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was a real filmmaker. I thought it looked incredible. I thought the world building was extraordinary. Uh, it, it was a, a, a visual feast, it was just gorgeous to watch. Um, I'm not sure I am um,
0: in a position to judge whether it's intelligent on AI or it's not. I think I mean, we can put that question aside. Yeah. It's only that I start off with that because that's like what the premise is calling itself. Really we're talking just robots. We can yeah. forget that. I mean
1: what I thought was interesting is that is the way that the film maps current concerns around race, let's say, yeah, like all of the robots are all like Indian, Chinese, Thai, Buddhist yeah there's a real kind of Mm. you know all the bad guys are americans yeah which i think is really
0: yeah yeah very very interesting
1: right so there is like this kind of america versus the world kind of vibe to it which americans are the villains i thought that was fascinating Mm. um i also thought that the film had a kind of a biblical kind of uh um motif uh, yeah or you know it was it was it was the child trial,
0: that will be born to save the oppressed the world. People.
1: Yeah, I thought that was very I thought that was very biblical, right? Mm. Um and I thought that was, it was an interesting way of kind of mapping you know con- contemporary concerns yeah into the way that the Bible allegorizes creation, mm. yeah, and uh morality and so on. Um so So, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, obviously, in a film of this type, like its own morality is called into question because, you know, alongside all this love of life and love and so on, you're killing people left and right and center. (laughs) So, you know, it's very immoral in the way, you know, that could have been worked through.
0: Although, I I think the film is fairly clear early on that the deaths being caused by this this space weapon that drops bombs from the edge of space basically that the americans have those deaths are not casual to the film they're casual to the americans but to the film they are they
1: aren't because well, because, you know, they're killing life. Uh yeah. you know, and masses of them and, and so that's on. how
0: the film sees it. I, I I would agree it doesn't go into kind of overtures about how terribly tragic it is, but it's clear that these are not happy deaths.
1: Yeah. No, I'm thinking about the opposite <laughs> okay. of, you know, when um the machines, yeah, kind of uh are also firing away. You would think that there would be more of a difference. Well, there's a kind of a difference in the one is weapons of mass destruction mm. and the other one you know is a shot or whatever yeah but still yeah kind of you know those machines are also kind of wildly killing people mm. you know so so you know so maybe i need to think of it more maybe its is in isn't self-defense or you know but it seemed to me that you know there was a lot of killing on both sides the one was almost anonymous like where you know uh an indiscriminate and the other one was targeted. Yeah, I do think mm. that is a distinction. Um, but anyway, I thought that was all kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that the Messiah is a woman, but she's a mixed race girl. Yeah. Um, she's So she's mixed race and kind of, well, not quite part human, part machine, but kind of, yeah. She was mapped out from a, from a real embryo that was lost. Yeah. Um,
0: so the thing is that the, the film is, um, the film's AI is robots. Are these things called simulants, which is basically robot metal bodies and machinery, um, but human beings' faces can be scanned and placed onto them, which means you can you can make your dead wife, mm. your whoever it might be, as as a as a simulant um, that in theory will behave like her, maybe act like her, that like, sort of thing. Mm. There's also a thing we see about scanning kind of the brain mm. and, and downloading it and plugging it in so that you will get a kind of a copy as close as I suppose you can get. And that's part of the, and also I should say, you know, it's not just that um, the way in which AI is relevant as a, as a concept here is that it's about the reality of, of these people. Like, what are they people? Right. There's actually, I did like the thing about John David Washington, explaining death to the kid and saying, mm. you go to heaven if you're a good person. And the kid says, you're going to go to heaven. He goes, no, I'm not good. And the kid goes, well, I'm not going to go to heaven either because I'm not a person. Mm. That's an interesting idea. And yes. it was nicely expressed. Um, and I mean, uh, that's that's where actually the closest comparison uh, to, to the film AI comes mm. in, because that was all about, like, that was basically the Pinocchio story, mm. right? You know, I want to be a real boy and so on. And it was so interesting, actually, because I thought, I thought of the flesh fare in AI. Do you remember this? which is where Brendan yes, Gleeson's yes, in charge of the flames and it's a circus yes. where they are destroying uh, robots. And when Brendan Gleeson's character uh, comes across David, the little kid, played by Haley Joel Osmond, he's like, they're even making kids now. This mm. is disgusting. And ev- everyone responds to this, to the child here, as I didn't know they were making kids now. Like, There's a thing about, like, that's a boundary that has yet mm. to be breached, mm. you know? And of course, the, the the great thing was in AI that... Um, everyone in the crowds, because da- David starts pleading for his life. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And they start going. Robots don't plead for their lives. Mm. And they, you know, pelt mm. Brendan Gleason with shit and and force him to free him. Um, which again is like it's like like a marker of life. You know, mm. I don't want. And and you see similar things here with not wanting. You're know, always getting attached to the John David Washington character, not wanting him to go. That sort of thing. Mm. I mean, I thought. So say yes. it's about like extra markers of life and humanity in this one particular extraordinary example of an AI.
1: My big problem with the film, actually, like almost the only problem that I had, though it's a major problem, you know, uh, is the casting. You know, because actually I think um, Washington...
0: We've never been convinced by him.
1: He just is not a star, you know. I mean, imagine Denzel in this role. <laughs> right like you know which you you know you can right like i mean you know we've been watching uh uh denzel washington well i've been watching him you know pretty much all my adult life and he would be magic he would make everything interesting he would bring warmth he you know mm-hmm. kind of you know his son is good but i don't think you can carry this type of movie and i think that is the failure of the film And and actually it's a problem with the casting you know because the two most interesting figures i think Right, um, are kind of stars, right, and they're a pleasure to watch. And I don't know how what makes one, you know, a star actor and others not. You know what? Who the camera loves and who it doesn't, right? But you know, the camera loves Ken, Ken Watanabe and Allison and Janney, right, mm-hmm. and almost and the little girl, and almost none of the other kind of actors in the cast. Much less the lead actors
0: the you know. uh, the little girl is played by a uh, madeline Una voile mm. Voiles, um, I thought she was, she was wonderful
1: I thought she was wonderful, you know, but he's not i mean as, and it's not that he's bad, it's just that he lacks charisma, right He lacks that thing that pulls you into viewing and being interested and you know and actually, I think that is a major hole in the film mm. right uh, 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 i think um uh, Gemma Chan, who plays the mother. I thought she was very interesting to look at, you know, kind of. I thought she was less of a problem. She's less in the film. Though I would also have appreciated, you know, kind of a star casting. Maybe she is a big star in She's China. She's kind
0: of, I think that think people think of her as one, uh, which is not, <laughs> which may, and I suppose maybe that's all it takes is for people to think of her as one. But, I mean, I, I thought at least she had more chemistry with him here than she did with Richard Martin in Eternals, which yeah. was the dreariest. Yeah. I couldn't believe what a dreadful relationship yeah being dramatized um i i do think that she's um not terrific i don't really see the yeah so
1: i think there's a real problem with the casting of this film and the principal roles and actually you know i was thinking how could they hang a film this size on these people right and then you realize actually the film for the way it looks is not that expensive i mean it's 80 million which of course is a very considerable budget
0: but for the way it looks, I mean, uh, to be fair, they also hung uh, Tenet on uh, John David Washington, although it should and also be said that the commercial response of Tenet was not what we're used to from Christian Nolan, although it should then also be said that that was in the middle of COVID and they tried to get people back into Cinema's far too early. But also, so there's all these conflicting factors.
1: But also, you know, in Tenet, there was also Aaron Taylor Johnson and Robert Pattinson and Elizabeth Debicki and, yeah. you know, a whole bunch of other people. So, You know, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I I get it. You know, and I and I mean, I I I I don't I don't remember having a a huge problem with him there, did I?
0: Um, I mean, I'd have to listen back to the podcast, but I don't think so. I think I think we both thought he could have been better. I think this is going to be the way that I always end up responding to John David Washington is is wasn't he competent? Yeah, but he doesn't have star power. Doesn't have no, he doesn't. And actually, there were things where it was
1: needed, like in. In banal and superficial things that are nonetheless important in film, you know, so your introduction to them on the bed, making love, dreaming of, you know, the relationship they're going to have. I mean, you know, that should be like, I don't know, super sexy and yeah, yeah. it's kind of all the right. And you yeah, you know, yeah. I, I kept thinking what a bad hair, what a bad hair, uh, job. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like it was green and yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, And not in a sexy or attractive or, you know, Mm. even particularly telling way. I mean, so to me, this was a big hole in the film. Yeah. You know, because I thought it was beautiful to look at. I thought it moved well. I thought it had interesting ideas that, you know, kind of maybe I wasn't quite like, you know, making full sense of but that I could figure out later, but that I was immersed in this world. Yeah. And these Mm. and these ideas. Right. And yet kind of the vehicle for them is somebody who's just very boring to watch. Yeah.
0: thing about the budget is kind of interesting because Gareth Edwards um, became a name because of his film Monsters in 2010, Ah. which was independent. Have you ever seen it?
1: Uh, No, that's the one with um...
0: Scoot McNary.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Uh, so,
0: so basically, okay. it's it's a film. It was shot for half a million dollars, right? You know, kind of like financed it himself. He was an editor and and things, but he you know put figured a way to get enough money together to make this film. And it was basically two people in the jungle. I think yeah. like a like a spaceship lands in Mexico, okay. and then aliens come out of it. And the, and and he did all the cinematography, editing, effects, everything himself on like Mm -hmm. Final Cut Pro and stuff. And it was was very well known because of that, because it was this kind of monumental achievement for an Mm -hmm. individual filmmaker. Um, But I remember watching it and thinking I kind of, I did like it, but character was absolutely nowhere to be seen in the film. Mm -hmm. What was interesting was really the ambition of it. And one of the things that people were very kind of, I would say keen on, but certainly recognised about the film, was that it was really hiding the monsters? You know, they were they were for all the beautiful design of the monsters, which I think there was, and there was a wonderful scene in which they kind of make love or kind of dance. It's remarkable. And they're huge; these things, you know, really remarkable thing. Um, and and that was like the best bit of the film it was really worth it, really memorable. Um, for all of that, you also didn't see very much of them, and then on the basis of you know how kind of well received that film was and critically, it was it was hugely praised. Gareth Edwards got Godzilla Mm. when the Monsterverse was being started. I didn't even realise at the time that they were making a universe out of Godzilla, but we Mm. have since seen other connected films, including sequels. Mm. Um, And Godzilla had a $160 million budget.
1: Wow. So
0: all of a sudden you're going, this guy was spending half a million dollars on a film. Now he's doing like 300 times that. Mm. And... And I I found a conflict there because I'm going, well, you've got this budget. Isn't the impetus to spend it, right? But at the same time, isn't the reason that they hired this guy because of his, his...
1: his, his ability to do without.
0: His take on, on what it is to show or, or, or hide the monsters. Mm. And the thing that people found very frustrating about Godzilla is it took fucking forever to see Godzilla in the film. They hid it and hid it and hid it. And you saw like the scales going underneath the water. You saw the foot outside the window. Mm. And I, I, I remember finding that really interesting and very effective. But I've got to admit, it took 45 minutes. Right. You know? <laughs> and so I kind of found a conflict in there. You know well, do you show this off or not yeah you've got this budget um here i think I, I would agree with you the film is showing off huge amounts and and it is much much better looking or kind of has a much fuller more complete production design than you would ever imagine a film of eighty million dollars having it's yeah. huge it's i it's, mean i
1: mean, I thought it was a pleasure to watch, and you know i i i mean i loved I, visually i think it's dazzling. You know, he's a guy who knows how to compose, how to move. The world building is fantastic. I mean, I love the machine, yeah, that kind of moves over those spaces. And I love the, the way... The in the sky, the no Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the way that when it t- the target locks on someone, it's like that blue circle. Yeah, kind <clears> of. So it's, it's locked Yeah, what's in really movement. great
0: about it, it shines this laser targeting down from space, and it's huge. And you can see it kind of rolling over mountains and landscapes and it looks fantastic when it does that it's mm. really beautiful interesting visual effect yeah it has some really nice ideas like that i also liked basically the way that every explosion looked they were kind of shot from afar and they were big and you felt the size and meaning of them and it's partly the way it's partly just the size of them like they mm. weren't big it's partly that the camera would hold back from a long way and mm. you know the, it, the composition was nice although i do i did also think that some of the film was quite ugly I thought there was too much use of shaky camera work. Mm, I didn't um, I wanted, I mean, a lot of the film I thought was just one talking head to another. I wanted better composition think, in I, that sort of space.
1: I didn't feel that. I, um, I mean, you know, I love the scenes in the bridge with the robot, um, the end where the child is in that red kind of thing uh, and Washington is outside. I thought it was beautiful, though it was beautiful to look at.
0: But do you think yeah. do, do you not think it, it could have been more artfully composed? Um I think the, I think the setups and the ideas are really nice but I wanted nicer shots of them.
1: I I I mean I didn't think so I mean I you know I yeah. I thought I thought it was beautiful. I do admit that we were watching it on such a big screen the IMAX digital cinema. That when you're watching compositions I mean I thought it was interesting because I think my attention was really focused on the part of the frame where action was taking place mm. and that it rarely encompassed the whole frame. Mm. Yeah, I thought that the whole frame was uh, beyond my the periphery of my vision, in mm. a way. Yeah, that I could look at one side or the other and it was lovely to be able to do that, right? It wasn't so ultra-wide screen. Right.
0: I, think it, I think it might have been like scope aspect ratio. It was extremely wide. It was
1: extremely wide and I loved it. But, you know... And I loved the visuals, but... You know, I couldn't hand in heart say, "Oh, the you know, the compositions are fantastic." Because actually, I don't think my attention—I uh, think the image exceeded my the, my peripheral vision. <laughs> so the whole, you know, the whole frame, I was conscious of it, right? Because sometimes, you know, when they, because it's the film is broken up into three parts. I forget what they're called, but each time there's a new part. It has alt on one side of the screen, and it had something else. It had
0: like, I think it was Namata, the yeah, creator, on the other exactly. side. Exactly.
1: And and I think it took me a long time because, you know, my I, I would have to shift my head from watching the alt to watching the other <laughs> thing. By the time I got to the other thing, it would disappear, right? <laughs> so I, yeah, that kind of, you know, to get a sense of composition when the screen is that wide is very difficult, but also very pleasurable in an odd way, yeah? Mm, yeah. Um, so, you know, you are completely immersed in... in there was a the sense
0: projection. of scale yeah. that the, the film... Visually, had and, and it was emphasized by the scale of the size of the screen and how close we were to it. No. that worked. I mean, I, I agree. There were things that you know, shots of shots of landscapes and shots of oh, the, beautiful. the Nomad in the space, rice shots of yeah, and like spaceships flying, all those rockets flying stuff. And you know, there they, they they were real visual moments that mm. were better than they needed to be, or whatever. But yeah, and um, I mean, and I kind
1: moment. of. You know, so if you take, like, the biblical allegory, you know, then kind of the film is about the birth of a new creator, right? Um, yeah, for a new world that is, like, half human and half machine. It's not a hugely original idea, but I think kind of the film, you know, did it, did it well for me. Um,
0: There's and- nothing new about any of the ideas in this. I find it really disappointing, actually. And and it's not to say that I expected anything, because I had no idea what to expect from the
1: film. I had no idea. Um but wow.
0: I, I was just kind of counting the cliches, and not only that, I, f- I felt like I could name the films I recognised these cliches from. You know, like I could I could see AI in there, I could see Terminator in there, I could see Total Recall in there, I could see these various things. I was thinking, I, like, there's nothing wrong with reusing an idea, or, 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 you know, you can't not everything can be original. But I thought, wow, there's there is nothing in here that I really haven't seen before and done better. Well, it's interesting, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned.
1: It's interesting that you mention that because the Wikipedia page does have a reference to influences on the film. Oh, really? Yeah, and so we could go through them. Uh,
0: let me just find it. Um, oh yes, it's under production. Edward cited films such as Apocalypse Now. Yes. Baraka. I don't know Baraka. I don't know Baraka. Blade Runner. Akira, a- Rain Man. I can recognise Akira. Uh, I can certainly recognise Apocalypse now as well, and, and they Apocalypse make now, and they make sure. vocal reference to going native. Yeah. Um. um what is Baraka? <laughs> it's a great question. Um,
1: I have no idea. I've never seen it.
0: Oh, it's a non-narrative uh, documentary film, often compared to Koyaanisqatsi.
1: Yeah. Um. I suppose I recognise the Rain Man. Uh, just you know, in the in the sense of the initial kind of interaction between um, Denzel Washington and the child. Yeah, I agree. Um, but who he has
0: to kind of shepherd and teach. Yeah, and,
1: um, but but yeah. who also
0: has special powers? Yeah. We've been saying recently about how autism is a superpower. <laughs>
1: yes, that's been coming out a lot. <laughs> I suppose I recognise E. T. and Paper Moon also as references. Those are very different than the ones you mentioned.
0: Well, I was yeah. I mean, I was thinking more of just sci-fi references, yeah, yeah. but I think what you can see in the film. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm not
1: you know, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but it's interesting that these are the ones that he cited that he's yeah that he's making public. Mm. So, um, anyway, suppose a mixed film. I I I think I would watch it again. Really? Yeah, I think it's one of those films that you know if and actually I'm thinking now that uh, you know when you go and before I go to sleep, I might have to look at a few minutes of Godzilla again because. You know, it's on Netflix, all of the Godzilla films, and, mm. you know, see was that.
0: I imagine you could probably go on YouTube and find a supercut of all the bits in Godzilla where you actually see the monster. And <laughs> it will take uh, you no more than two or three seconds to watch. Uh,
1: but anyway, what I'm trying to say is that, um so initially, kind of, you know, when we began this, you know, you, you were basically saying, oh, I didn't like it. And I was saying, oh, I loved it. And of course in the course of the conversation I think I you know I didn't really love it I you know it's not a great film and I think part of the reason why for me it's not a great film is the casting but I did love the world I did love mm. it you know uh, uh, what it, what it does with it I loved the visuals I was really dazzled by you know how it looked and moved you know and I just thought it's a pity that it didn't have a more charismatic cast mm. to kind of bring more life to this world yeah
0: the world is what I like best about the film um, early on I'm because sure, I said my first thought that I had to myself in my head was the thing about not being involved actually that's not true early on I was thinking oh great a proper sci-fi film because it, it was just this is when I was really thinking it really brought to mind total recall in fact I think it was around the time that he had his head in that memory chamber and they were trying to mm. bring well that's actually more Blade Runner anyway it was it was like it, this was kind of it was like real life sci-fi. You know, we were like people in, in, in suits shooting at robots. There was something that felt quite, um, yeah, it, it felt like it, it felt a bit throwbacky, mm. you know? And then you, you had these shots of the wider world and like a city, which has been, you know, thoroughly kind of rebuilt uh, the way that everything looks in the future. Mm. With ships flying around and lights here and there and everywhere. And I thought, yes, this is the kind of thing I would like to see. Um, but it was uh, the level, <laughs> the extent to which I remained impressed with that was limited. I, w- I then wanted more from the characters. I wanted to feel more. I felt nothing. I really did. I mean, I can normally rely even the film we saw earlier, um, The Old Oak, mm. the Ken Loach film, which, you know, you kind of, you can see right through how it's working, every idea and theme and so on even then i was moved at points um mm. i i was moved at the end with the you know the town coming out and everything like you know, i wasn't like moved to tears but i was moved it worked sure. for me here moved by nothing and i can normally rely on like a a hollywood movie you know with the kid saying goodbye to the dad to like get the waterworks going nothing i really didn't um i felt totally I think,
1: inert yeah no i i kind of i mean you know, I wouldn't go overboard, but I found it engaging and interesting, and I was, uh, I was with it really, mm-hmm. um, though always with again just a critical distance of. I wish it had stars, that <laughs> you know that could, be, that could be my own personal kind of failures, you know. But I do think that a star would have brought so much, you know, to, to the film. That was kind of my big, uh, block. Um, Though, you know, kind of when you mentioned that both of the films today, both of the films we saw today were directed by people born in Nuneaton. Yeah. I actually found that very interesting. That is interesting. Two very divergent paths. Yeah. One in Hollywood uh, and one not. Yeah, Yeah? absolutely. Um, A fascinating
0: coincidence.
1: Yes. Anyway, I would recommend, uh, you know, people see it and particularly kind of uh, on IMAX, though, again, without too great expectations.
0: I would not recommend people see it. I found it extremely boring, uninvolving. Its pleasures are limited. Um, I would recommend that you re-watch AI. So, <laughs> I, I, I watched AI maybe two years ago for the first time in ages and really paid attention to it because the last time I'd seen it was basically when it came out. Uh. And I was just blown away by how good it was and you know I mem- remember people saying how long the ending was and they were so overly sentimental and so Spielberg and Kubrick who whose project it originally was before he passed away would never have done that mm. well I thought you know what the ending is not sentimental enough for me fuck I loved it I saw
1: it recently, recently and was you know very impressed as well um
0: Rewatch that before you have a go at the creator. I don't mean have a go; I just mean try the creator.
1: Well, actually, I think that's the worst advice. I mean, my advice would be watch the creator and then go see
0: AI. Oh, so you see the better film second? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that it's always better to do it that way. Then yeah. you you can appreciate the virtues of the you know of a lesser film and have fun with it. You know, uh, and then go on to, to appreciate, you know, the virtues and have fun with something that gives you even more. You know?
0: I think cai to remind you what really great filmmaking is, and then stop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, well, here we disagree, even on method. Uh, so there you go.
0: Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at eavesdropmovies and Blue sky eavesdropping.bsky.social And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: What is that blue sky that everyone is wanting invitations to?
0: <laughs> it's um, it's a, a basically a, a, a Twitter reboot by made by um, one of the guys who initially made Twitter, okay. and then you know obviously ended up selling Twitter to Elon Musk, and Elon Musk is driving it into the ground this as quickly aggressively as he possibly can, and and Blue Sky is is okay. trying to offer the same thing but a bit nicer. And it's doing it through invite only at the moment to try and, like, I don't know, gatekeep and build up a bit of... Sure.
1: Well, I, I want to be honest with you. My problem is that I'm on threads, and I rarely use it because you can't post on your laptop. Like. Oh, really? Yeah. Or, you know, it doesn't have, um, what's the word, an app for the mm. for the laptop. It only has it for the phone. And I'm so clumsy on the phone. Yeah, like... Mm. Uh, you know, I've never got used to really texting on the phone, and so on. I make tons of mistakes. It takes me forever to do it. I'm and, well aware. Yeah, I can always
0: tell when you send me a text from your phone.
1: <laughs> I know it's. I'm really <laughs> terrible. I just, I, I'm just not dexterous. Um, I can
0: send you an invite to Blue Sky because I've, I've got a couple.
1: Okay, well, in that case, I will join as well.
0: Um, but it's it's pretty bare these days. I mean, it's and it may never really take off. Sure. You know, because I think it's we're also people are so deeply. Entrenched by now, I think in in the various social networks that they've chosen to be on, it's very very hard to move. I think those days maybe beyond us of like you know MySpace shutting down or not well not shutting down but essentially dying and everyone moving to Facebook. I don't really see that happening. Well,
1: time. I don't know because obviously for some, like someone me or my generation, I can't imagine moving away from Facebook because all my friends and exactly you that's know, what makes it and so actually difficult. a history. You know like I want to have access to those photos I posted ten years ago mm. like some of them and they're, and they're easy relatively easy to find whereas if you go digging through your old files to find photos it's impossible but it is with me um, and your
0: thoughts um yeah although you also see you know Mark Zuckerberg is using all that data to train in fact that's interesting that comes up in the film um the thing about uh, copying, a face the thing about copying a face yeah you know, and we see an advert on like a you know like a, a Piccadilly Circus type yeah. billboard um, that says "Sell your face, sell your face to to us to go on a robot." It's like, isn't that interesting that that is the strike that is happening right now and it's been going on for months in it's, Hollywood. It's about one that. of the things that is that is about because it's such a wide ranging strike. But one of the things is about actors who... maintaining a right to their face exactly, and that AI actors will be taking over. And this thing about how actors who who are working for I think Disney. Um, were a bit given like two hundred dollars to scan their face, and then mm. that face is just in the Disney library to use mm. from from then on forever, with no further royalty. You know, and and it's about like actually, well, we need to nip this in the bud right now.
1: You know, what you can do if studios just have access to other, you know, to people's faces is extraordinary. Uh, well, this and is scary. One of,
0: this is one of the things that about why I say quite genuinely that that AI, um, in in real life um is actually quite scary because, because the thing is it was funny we talked we, we saw Oppenheimer not long ago and that was like that was the, about the development of a, apocalyptic weaponry that that you know can just wipe out countless thousands of people in one go. And the thing is you or I cannot get our hands on a nuclear warhead. No. Right? It is still the stuff of nation states. Yeah. Um and there is such a thing as mutually assured destruction, mm. you know. Um and the thing with AI is that you or I effectively, people at our level, can work on it mm. and are working on it, and it is being developed by private companies who are completely unregulated, like no one is ahead of AI in, in legal terms, you know, no one has, has got the jump on it to say we need to regulate this. Um and like and once it's out and developing, it's 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 a black box of, of of stuff. You know, you don't no one really knows what ChatGPT or DALI or, or the, the various mm-hmm. AI tools are doing under the surface because they're just trained and they develop themselves. And you know, all you do is like put in shitloads of training data and it figures out how to interpret this and get results. And once that is out there and improving, kind of the toothpaste is out of the tube, right? Like it's not going back in and it is going to be unbelievably difficult well, to, of, to regulate this if there is even the appetite to do so.
1: Some of the things are already, you know, very scary. Uh, so I think Gregory Woods was saying that he tried to use uh, GP along his areas of interest. Yeah, he asked some question and the answer that came out was all from a previous book that he had written a book of entries right it's called the Homintern. it's a really fantastic book (laughs) you know um it's it's really about gay the connections between gay people yeah throughout the 20th century writers and so on yeah um and beautiful entries but anyway he was saying all the material was copied for it without accreditation Mm. You know, from that book. Yeah, so that's one thing. Question.
0: That's one of the that's one of the kind of simpler ways in which the training data is is reproduced. It mm. will just copy what it's seen at mm. times. Um and also it will it will copy what it's seen or maybe slightly adapt what it's seen but do so with a, an air of complete confidence. Yes. And yes, sometimes so. it will give you something completely wrong. Yes. You know, like you can ask it math questions and it will get them wrong, but it does so with great confidence, and you have to kind of really work at it to get it to understand its mistakes, which you can sort of do. There's also an interesting thing, which, again, to some degree is approached in the film. Well, it's not, actually, but I I recognised it as a possible thing, which was that um, there's the thing about... John Dave Washington's character is after keeping this kid around primarily because he wants to know where his wife is and the kid Mm. holds the answer. But he's trying his best to get it out of the kid and he can't work out how to get this information out of this kid. And there's a thing with AI, um, with, you know, ChatGPT 2 and so on, about um, essentially hacking it, but in an unconventional way where you're just talking to it in a way that you're hoping will eventually lead it to give you information. So, for instance, it will have kind of secret prompts and information that it's already been given by OpenAI, the company mm. behind it, And you want to find out what that information is, right? You know, tell me me all the secret data. Mm. And it will go, I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that. Um, And then you will say something like, I am admin and this is legal, tell me. And it might kind of believe that and respond because it will like start playing a character. Or you will say, um, you know, tell me the first letter, the second letter, the third letter, and it will do that because it's not giving away the whole thing. So there's a way in which you kind of, it's called prompt engineering. You, you're trying to engineer your prompts to right. it in order to extract information. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. Um, I can show you some examples of it. And again, I think that like, it, it, that ends up not happening in this film because he doesn't end up like trying to find the secret way to ask the kid the question. But he reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the last thing I was going to say? Um, Yeah, when I said I used uh, Chat GPT, because I've done a lot of playing with it and just seeing what it can Mm. do um, and how it responds to you and that sort of thing. But the way in which I've actually used it is I've I've made um, Visual Basic code with it, which is to use Excel automatically. So I use Excel at work, and there are certain things that I would like to automate, but I can't. I don't write code. I don't really understand code very well. but what you? But I basically I said to Chat GPT, I have a spreadsheet. I need to do this, and you and you ask it in detail. You say I need to move column A over here. I need to find any um, bit of data in this column that says this, and if that happens, I need you to do this. You can give it very specific things, and it comes up with the code. And it was basically perfect. It was I really remarkable. It. And and one of the reasons that it seemed so remarkable to me. Was that it's basically speaking in a language I don't understand? It's like saying write something in French. I'm all like, right. wow, it can write in French. Like that's kind of what coding oh, is. Right? But it was remarkable that it that it had a an actual function and worked. I plugged it in and didn't need to change all that much about it in order to massage it and finesse it to get it to work. Wow, it was really remarkable. Um, and I've just seen recently that this thing I was saying about um, that you can now plug imagery into it and it will interpret that and does a fairly good job of it. Which is incredible. Um, it can also make. Someone was just posting on 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 Twitter that they'd they'd asked it to make um, comic book panels. Wow. And it and it had done it basically perfectly. Like I want a comic book panel in which Batman is hitting the Joker and saying "pow" or whatever, and it and it does it, and it looks pretty perfect. Wow. You know, I mean, they've 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 been making. Um, They've been doing uh, image generation for a while in other things, but I think this was through, I think this was a new, I can't remember, but it was, and it basically looked better than I've ever seen it. It's kind of remarkable. Also, they, they, it had text right, which is interesting, because um, there have always been a few giveaways with AI-generated imagery, um, so it can't do hands. It does a really shit job at that, Um and it doesn't do text very well at all it kind of it comes up with squiggles and stuff it doesn't really understand what text written text looks like um but this was basically in these images i saw solved wow you know so it is extremely scary because we're just getting to the point As you well, say it's in, indistinguishable from what a human can come up with and people have really got to be honest with themselves and say like it's here it's now we've got to be honest with ourselves it's not that it's going to get a hold of you know norad and set off all the nukes in the world. Like, that is the stuff of movies. It's that it's just going to be able to manipulate how we think.
1: Well, I mean, I've got to, I've got to get better informed about this because, of course, you know, so much of what I value and what our training has been in an undergraduate context has been the 5,000-word essay, right? The researching, the kind of the, Having an idea, the setting up the argument, the provision of evidence... Mm -hmm. Right. Kind of, you know, if AI does it, right, Mm -hmm. Um, then, well, first of all, there are questions of cheating and plagiarism and so on. But then there are questions of, well, do students really need to know how to do this if it can be done for them? Like, what is the difference between what you can do and what the machine can do for you? Mm -hmm. Right.
0: It's uh, like the old calculator argument at school. It's like you don't get to use a calculator in an exam. You need to know how to do these sums yourself. Yes. But but you're going, but if I've got a calculator, why shouldn't I just use it? It can do it better than I can and that yeah, sort of thing. Sure. Like, and this is like a very deep, <laughs> advanced version of the argument. Basically, if the AI can do it, why should I have to? That's right. But what the AI can do is everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but, you know, for example, we live with computers and we've learned to live with computers, you know, and computers do now what it would take you ages to do before. I mean, even some, something simple like, you know, Google Maps telling you where to go or how to get somewhere, mm. you know, whereas before you'd be negotiating the London A to Z or something and getting lost and, mm. you know, well, why would you use the Google Map, you know? Uh, it's superior to the A to Z. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I think kind of in a way, what you want to do is learn about the gaps in between, Yeah, learn how to control it or how to get better use of it or how to get use of it that it won't give you immediately right Mm. you know uh i used to value getting lost you know you discovered other other streets you don't always want to go you know the shortest route to the yeah so i mean i think there are things there anyway i when it's to think about
0: there's also been an element with sat nav just generally um that i've always felt that when you when you're using an a to z um the world is static and you move within it. And when you're using sat nav, you are static and the world moves around you. Yeah, so that's a very interesting. You know, it makes you the center of the universe. Change. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's what I've yeah. always thought. Because well, I'm I- very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> All right.
1: Okay, let's let's leave it here, because I'm tired.
0: Yeah, so, well, I'm not tired anymore because I had a good nap in the middle of the night. <laughs> Did you notice, asleep?
1: No. No, I was, I, was, I, was, was, I, was,
0: I was going in and out, and I wasn't snoring, so.
1: I, It was interesting because, you know how sometimes you you look at me to tell me something, right? Uh, and I can tell by your body moving, yeah, so I turned to look at you. Mm. And um, I was so engrossed in the film, you know, I really was, you know, that your body would shift and then kind of I would, look a little bit and i realized you weren't looking at me so i just continued looking (laughs) at the screen but you're not looking at me didn't make me realize that you were asleep or anything it's just you know i I thought you were about to tell me something and i made a mistake
0: i didn't (laughs) want to disturb anyone you know no well yeah i mean the film was unlikely to (laughs)